This morning we're talking about material matters, material matters. And uh, Matthew chapter number 6, we've been working, uh, walking through uh, the Sermon on the Mount with Jesus Christ. It's the longest sermon recorded in Scripture of our Lord. And uh, so Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, uh, Jesus is talking and he's dealing with issues of the heart, matters of the heart. And in fact, when you're looking at uh, the subjects that are being covered, uh, and that's really what Christianity, it, it's all about the heart, but the subjects he's talking about, a lot of times you can, you can masquerade. A lot of times that's why he addresses them uh, as, as hypocrites oftentimes, as, as people that are playing a part that they really aren't. In other words, other folks can be deceived. Other folks can be tricked into thinking that, man, you are an incredible follower of Jesus Christ, when the fact of the matter is Jesus is saying, I want to make sure your heart is where it needs to be. And so this morning, he's continuing to deal with these issues because it's more than just uh, religious practices. It's where the heart is. And so today, he's talking about materialism, and our world is a world that's plagued with materialism. What is materialism? I was, in fact, this morning, I was looking at that. What's imaginarium or whatever that? I don't even know what that word means, but uh, imaginarium. But materialism is the insatiable desire to want for more, Uh, uh, the insatiable desire to want for more. And uh, when you think about it, everybody wants to be a millionaire. Everybody wants to have that more thing. And, and the question is, is the desire in check? It's a desire that begins young in life, early in life. In fact, as early as elementary school, when you become aware of things in life. I can remember as a child, I can remember uh, when, 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 when we grew up uh, in a different day, a different time, Kmart was the deal. Uh, that was before Walmart even existed. Uh, but Kmart, do y'all remember Kmart and the blue light specials, that little blue light? I used to think that blue light was so cool. You know, that blue light would come on and be like, oh man, I wonder what's for sale over there. And, uh, and there was a time in my life when I realized the blue light special really wasn't that special. And uh, uh, I, I remember when I was a child, when the track shoes, I used to wear these Trax shoes, T-R-A-X. They were these little blue shoes with these Adidas-looking stripes on the sides, and I thought they were so cool and to make me run so fast. But then I, there was a day that came when, when Nike came out, and that was the deal. And, and, I, and I remember in my mind thinking, the tracks just aren't good enough anymore. I want to be in the Nike club. In fact, I had some boys in my school that uh, formed their little club, and elementary school, and climbed a tree, and only the kids with Nikes could climb the tree. And so uh, I wanted to climb the tree. I want to be in a Nike club. And uh, materialism uh, uh, wraps our heart when we're just little kids, and it, and, it, and it plagues every area of life. We're talking about toys and clothes and houses and cars. And uh, so this morning, we're talking today about materialism and what happens to us along the way. Uh, 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 but, but here's to be sure uh, you know, sometimes people think that. <clears throat> in fact, uh, it, it's like, you know, well, man, when you're a Christian, you really need to take a vow to poverty, and that's not taught in Scripture either. There's nothing wrong with having things along the way. In fact, the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 and following, 1 Timothy chapter number 6, verse 17 through 19, the Bible says, Instruct those who are rich in this present world. And, and, and let me stop right there because that's a relative term. Uh, instruct those who are rich in this present world. And for you and I, uh, we think of rich and we all have our own ideas and concepts about what it means to be rich. But relatively speaking, around the rest of the world, I would say that that shoe fits near about everybody in this room today. If you look around the world, we are a rich, blessed people 
of God. And so, and so let's just say he's talking to us here. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. And so enjoy those things. Don't beat myself up over having these things along the way. Uh, instruct them to do good. Be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that, which is life indeed. And so God, help us <clears throat> understand uh, uh, what, what and, and, and really be wise stewards of all that God has entrusted to us. The problem comes when we begin to worship uh, the things created rather than the one who created them. And so God, help us to keep our perspective clear when it comes to uh, materialism in this world. In fact, the Bible says in Mark chapter number 8, Verses 34 through 36, it says this, And he summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? And so God help us. There are so many people... Uh, who have lost true life in search of the American dream. Uh, there's so many people that have lost true life in search of the American dream, thinking that, man, my life is really found in the substance of things, when the fact of the matter is that's not where life is found at all. Jesus Christ is life. In fact, he says in John chapter 10, and in verse number 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come so that you might have life and have it more abundantly, that Jesus Christ is the source of true life. And yet so many people uh, are, are really struggling with this issue of, <clears throat> of uh, materialism. And, and I think of this materialism and what it does and how it destroys us. Why would he address an issue like this in the Sermon on the Mount? Because of the devastating consequences of materialism. When you're talking about what materialism will do to us, number one, what it'll do to an individual is it oftentimes keeps us out of the will of God. Why? Because I'm comfortable with everything I've got and I don't want to give up anything. I like my house. I like my car. I like my income. I like where I am. And the fact of the matter is, God, I want to be faithful to you, whatever that looks like. And so we've got to be careful, uh, uh, not, not only as individuals, but I tell you the destructive nature of materialism on families. Oftentimes what happens to us is, is we fix our eyes on the things that we don't have, the things of this world, and we think, man, I've got to have more. There's got to be more to life than my husband. There's got to be more to life than my wife. There's got to be more to life than having my children and investing in them. I want more. The want for more, the insatiable desire to want for more has destroyed families, and it's doing it today. God help us. Jesus says, man, I want you to experience true, true life. And so he's dealing with these religious people. Luke chapter number 16, verse number 14, tells us they were plagued again with materialism. Now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, were listening to all these things and were scoffing at him. And there's people that hear a message like this today, and they just say, man, you're just talking craziness. And it happens today. In fact, today there are so many people that are plagued, religious people. I'm not talking about people on the outside, people within the church. In fact, I, I, it really disgusts me when the church preaches a message with the prosperity gospel intertwined to think that, man, God's so wrapped up that God simply, God, all he is is just the one that's going to provide for my physical needs. 
And although he does, and I'm grateful to God for that, but a lot of times I'm not content and I'm not happy unless I have all of my wants fulfilled, my physical wants. And God, help us understand that life is so much more than the things that I have. So Jesus is talking in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse number 19 and following. The Bible says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. <clears throat> but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. God, help us and search our hearts this morning. Three questions that each one of us got to answer today. And so this morning, I'm just encouraging you to just say, God, would you search my heart right now in this moment? Three questions. Nobody can answer these questions for anybody else. Only you and God. In fact, sometimes I don't even know my own heart. So God, give me understanding. Help me see what you see within me today. And so as we think of these questions, here's question number one for each one of us to answer. Where is the treasure of my heart? Where is the treasure of my heart? What is it that I really, really treasure in life? The Bible calls us, and it says this beginning in the very first verse here, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, and it goes on from there, but don't treasure your treasures. Literally, that's a play on words. If you want to look at a literal, literal, that word, literal translation, sometimes I struggle with my words, especially my R's, uh, literal translation, don't treasure up your treasures. In other words, what's he saying? He's saying, hey, there's not a problem. He's not saying, don't ever save money. That's not what he's saying. In fact, scripture even tells us, commends us for saving. There's nothing wrong with saving. In fact, the Bible uses illustrations in Proverbs chapter number 6, beginning in verse number 6. The Bible says it like this. Go to the ant. In other words, study the ants. Look at little ants. Uh, You sluggard, observe her ways and be wise, which having no chief, officer, or ruler, prepares food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. And then it goes on from there, but just basically saying, hey, listen, make sure that you're, that you're saving for, for a rainy day. There's nothing wrong with that, but don't treasure your treasures. In other words, everything in my life is invested in my investments. Don't treasure my treasures. And so he has a negative that he begins with, and he says this, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. And so moth and rust literally talking about an enemy that is eating away at that which I am storing up. Those things that are that are prone to uh, being eaten up and destroyed. And so when you're talking again to first century people, which is who this letter was written to, who Jesus was addressing, there were several things that they would measure their wealth by. One of them would be clothing. Uh, and what they would do with their clothing oftentimes is they would take little gold coins and actually weave it within to or within their clothes. And, and so he says, hey, don't store up your treasures that way where moths can come and eat that. That's where the moth 
uh, comes in. The moth will eat that away. In fact, if you're, if you're investing all of your investment, if you're treasuring up those things that you're wearing, those clothes, so that everybody else can say, man, wow, what a wonderful person that is. Some, sometimes what we do is we wrap up our significance in the things that others see. I gotta wear the right clothes. And he's saying, don't treasure up your treasures. Make, let that not be the treasure of your heart. That's, that's a fleeting, that's a passing. It's something that can be eaten away. And, and, and so not only is the clothing, but the grain. In fact, the story was told in Luke chapter number 12, beginning in verse number 15. The Bible says it like this when we're talking about grain. A wealthy person would store up grain and, and, and because that was their part of their livelihood. But Luke chapter 12, verses 15 following, Jesus talks about building up those bigger <clears throat> barns. He said, Beware and be on guard against every form of greed. For not even then one ha- has an abundance does... Let me back up here. Then he said to them, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. And he told them in a parable, saying, The land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no place to store my crops? And then he said, This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And then I will store all of my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now, who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. In other words, what's he saying? He's saying, don't be so preoccupied with your own selfish desires that you forsake what God wants you to do with what he has entrusted you with. In other words, what we have to do in life is recognize anything and every single thing that I have is a gift from God entrusted to me that I give account to him for one day. If you read the parable that Jesus is talking about, how many times does he say, the man said, I will, I will, I will. In other words, I'm going to take care of me, myself, and I. And God has always said, hey, listen, I will entrust to you, but you are a steward of mine. I want to bless others through the blessings which I give to you. And that was where... The problem came. And this rust, this, this rust, this talking about these grains and storing up grains, they are here today and gone tomorrow, talking about the eating away by rats and insects. And then he goes on and he says, and thieves break in and steal. In other words, my piggy banks, it's just a temporary investment that can be gone here today and gone tomorrow. And so be careful about what you're living for and what you're investing into, that it's not just into the temporary, but rather into the eternal. God, help me to invest every part of my life into the eternal. Because if it's all about just money and my bank account and how much I'm gonna, I, I can accumulate along the way, and in fact, what we do oftentimes is this. We, 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 we pad our bank accounts and we feel like that, hey, listen, man, I can take care of me, myself, and I, when the fact of the matter is, no, you can't. What's here today could be gone tomorrow. And the fact of the matter is, I need him to provide for me today. I need him to provide for me tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And he will. And so be careful that we're not trusting in ourselves along the way. <clears throat> and so 
when you're talking about this text of Scripture, he says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, but store up, invest in the eternal treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And just talking about those things that I'm investing into, the two most precious commodities that are known to us as our time and our treasures, our time and our treasures. And are we investing our time and our treasures into the kingdom? That's the question for each one of us to ask ourselves. What am I investing into? Am I investing anything into? And because the Bible says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Do you know how come it's so easy for so many people to come to church and leave church? And come to this church and all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's time to just leave because I got offended along the way. You know, you know how come people do that? Because they invest nothing. If I'm investing nothing, it's easy for me to leave because my treasure's not there. I'm not putting my time there. I'm not putting my treasure there. And if I'm not investing anything there, it's really easy to leave the next day. Y'all all right? God help me. <clears throat> my treasures. What am I giving to God? When it talks about money, what, what am I giving to God? Am I giving my, any money to God? In fact, Larry Burkett, do you remember Larry Burkett? He's kind of here today, yesterday, and gone because Dave Ramsey today. But he was a financial guru uh, several years ago. And uh, do you know what he said? And, and, and as he did research, you know what he said? He said, he said that the average, the average person in the Christian church gives more, gives more to their... Uh, that's what he said. <laughs> The average person gives more to the interest on their debt accumulated than they do to God. The average born-again Christian, did you hear that? You know, we're supposed to give our first fruits to the Lord, but that the average, that, that on average, the average born-again Christian gives more to the entrance, interest that they accumulate on their debt than they do to God. God, help us. Help me invest my time as well. Oftentimes what happens to us is we invest our time in anything and everything. And God's the last thing. How many times do we really invest and make commitments of our time? I don't want to be in the choir because i got to invest my time. I don't want to be a teacher even though God gifted me in that way because I don't want to make a commitment to being there along the way. And, and we go, and we go, and we go, and we invest ourselves in so many different things. And how many times do we say, man, you know, you know, I've invested in so much through this week, and I'm just so tired. I just can't show up to church. Give me a break, man. If I didn't show up because I was tired, I definitely wouldn't be here this morning, I promise you. <laughs> it's giving God my best along the way. <clears throat> That's how we do it. We invest our treasures. Malachi chapter 3 talks about financial investments. Malachi chapter 3 verses 8 through 10. Will a man rob God? Yet you're not, you're robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse. 
for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. I think about where the church is today. And I know we live life in a weird world these days, but it's always been God's plan to bless his children and his children in turn just give back to him an offering. That's how we do. And yet we're living in a day where many, in fact I would say more churches are than are not, receiving a check from the government to make it through difficult days because they're not trusting the people to be faithful. I wrote this down from Larry Burkett, (laughs) so I'm going to read it so I won't forget it. But Larry Burkett says, Christians are trying to serve God and mammon in a typical congregation of 100 families. 37 give nothing. I'm grateful to God. I'm I'm thankful to God for our church family because I see people giving. I don't have a clue who gives and what they give. I don't have a clue. But I know that God has provided, and he provides through his people. And, and, and I'm grateful to God for our church family. Uh, we see the investment of people into our church family, and for that I am eternally grateful. Vacation Bible School. You know what our Vacation Bible If you're visiting with us, you know our Vacation Bible School? We're like one-to-one workers to students coming. That's huge. You know what that is? That's, that's people saying, hey, I want to be used to invest in the life of children. And I'm grateful to God for that. Uh, in fact, if you've never been to one of our vacation Bible schools, you haven't lived life yet. You need to come tonight, and uh, we're going to have an incredible time this evening. But just seeing people investing of their time and investing of their talents, it's grateful. I'm so grateful uh, to see our musicians, to see those serving. Uh, there's something for everybody, and I'm grateful to God. Don't ever underestimate. Don't ever underestimate what God can do in and through you. And know that, man, I can experience life. I, I, I don't know where I'm going right now, but I, all I know is this week, let me tell you, we had, a, <clears throat> we, were, we had a chance to go to Montana <clears throat> and serve. And uh, had a student, one of our students, that uh, didn't want to go because he didn't think he had anything to offer. And he went. And can I tell you, and the rest of you that were in Montana, I believe, would agree with me, he was our most valuable player on the team this week. And uh, don't ever underestimate, why are you saying that? Don't underestimate what God can do in and through you. Don't be absent, be present. I I just want to give you my time, I want to give you my talents, whatever those might be, and just watch what God will do through you. It's amazing. He goes on and he says, The eyes of the lamp of the body, verse number 22 and 23. So where's the treasure of your heart? Number two, what is the desire of my heart? What's the desire? Sincerely, what's the desire of my heart? The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then that light that is in you is darkness, how great is that Darkness and just helps us understand again where the treasure of my heart is. Are your eyes good or bad? 
That's the question. Are your eyes good or bad? So here's, here's how you answer that one. What do I see when I look at things? What do I see when I look at things? Do, do, am I, am I a, a giver or a getter? What do I look, when I look at things, do I see things in my life as, as tools to be used to bring glory to God or, or just simply accumulating wealth for myself? What do I see? Is it a tool to give or a treasure simply to get? Am I, are my eyes good or are my eyes bad? What am I seeing? Ephesians chapter 4, the Bible says it like this in verse 28. Ephesians 4, verse 28. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. In other words, when my eyes are good, what I do is I see everything that I've got as a tool that God has given me to be used for his glory and the good of others. Do, do, do I ever think of others? Do I ever think of the needs around me? That perhaps God blessed me to be a blessing and not just to dam up my life where nobody else can taste and see the goodness of God? It's amazing when we live our lives with open hands and God just pours his blessings in and his blessings just continue to go out. I'm telling you this, I've, I've experienced that the fountain will never, ever, ever run dry. You will never be able to outgive God. And if you really want to experience life and life abundantly, then you need to learn how to be a giver and not a giver. What's the desire of my heart? Just to accumulate things so that I can be comfortable or is it simply things that can be used for his glory and the good of others? Man, it changes everything when we learn these lessons. So number three, who's the master of my heart? Who's the master of my heart? Verse number 24, no one can serve two masters. It's an impossibility for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. It's impossibility to serve God and to serve wealth. It's like walking in two directions at the same time. You can't do it. <laughs> Thinking two thoughts at the same time. It's impossible. Sometimes you think you can, but you can't. Not simultaneously. And you cannot serve both God and Jesus at the same time. God, help me recognize that everything that I have is a gift from you. We're plagued with materialism and materialism robs us of our true contentment our true contentment is only found in jesus christ the apostle paul said it like this in philippians over in philippians <clears throat> and in chapter uh number number four in verses 11 through 13 the bible says it like this philippians 4 verse 11 through 13 not that i speak from want for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So the question that all of us have to ask ourselves is this, is Jesus Christ my all and all? You know, there was an old song that I thought about when I was reading this text of Scripture. 
And, uh, and, 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 and let me just read it to you. And, and, and I want you to sincerely ask yourself the question, could that be the theme song that I sing? Could this be the same theme song that I sing? <clears throat> I'd rather have Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I would rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hands. I'd rather have Jesus than men's applause. I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to his holy name than to be a king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords to me. Can you honestly before God today say, that's my theme song. I'd rather have Jesus than anything. God, help us. Help us to want only Jesus. Only Jesus. Would you do me a favor today and join me for a time of prayer? As we pray this morning, we have an opportunity today to partake of the Lord's Supper. Some and invite those serving if you would come this morning as we pray. But hey, as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I just want to ask you the question today. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Is he your first love? Is he the one that I live for? Nobody can serve two masters. Sometimes even for a Christian, we can lose our first love. Even for a Christian, there are times when we can struggle with this subject of materialism. And today, I want to encourage you to invite the Holy Spirit. God, search my heart. I don't want to have that struggle. I want you to be Lord of every area of my life. I want you to be Lord of my money. I want you to be Lord of my talents. I want you to be Lord of my time. Everything, everything that I have is a gift from you, God. Hey, if you're a brother or sister this morning, maybe you're here and you'd say, man, I've kind of gotten things out of, out of whack. I want to encourage you, man, just repent before God right now. Experience times of refreshing in His presence. Hey, but it begins, it really does, it begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. To be born again, to be born from above, to be a Christian, is to be a person who recognizes, man, I am a sinner. I'm a sinner. And my sin separates me from a holy God, and God is just, and He is righteous. And because he's just, he dealt with my sin on the cross. That's why he sent Jesus into this world to lay down his life, to shed his blood for you and for me. Because we pay, we owed a debt that's impossible for us to pay. But God demonstrated his great love for you and for me and that while I was still a sinner, he died for me. Because I can't clean up myself. Not only did he die on the cross, but he was buried, and three days later he rose from the dead. He's alive and 
desires an intimate, loving relationship with you. And if there's never been a time in your life when you recognize, man, I need to repent, to turn away from myself, from my sin, and receive the gift of salvation from Jesus Christ. If there's never been that time in your life, I want to encourage you right now to call on his name. Call on his name right where you are. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We're saved by grace through faith. It's not by my works. I can't work my way into heaven. But the price has been paid. So today, receive the gift of salvation. Call on his name and be saved.